I'm having a goddamn blast on tour with this Big Mouth and a Small Town tour. So I've added some dates and wanted to let you know where I'm headed next. Uh, yeah, March 14th, I will be in Lakeside, Arizona. And then the 15th and 16th, I'm finally coming to Tucson. So if you're in Tucson, I'm coming to Laughs Comedy Cafe. Get your tickets. We're going to have a good time. My good friend Noah Koffer will be featuring at those shows. He'll also be with me the following weekend when I come to Grand Rapids, Michigan. Dr. Grins, I cannot wait to see you guys again. Those are always some of my favorite shows, and I'm sure this year will be no exception. And then I am headed up to my home state of Alaska for the Alaska Before You Die Fest. Anchorage, you better not fucking sit on these tickets. They're going fast. There's a few left. Uh, April 5th, I will be doing shows at the Gumbo House. It's downtown. I'm doing an early and a late show, one night only. It's an intimate venue, so tickets are limited. It's going to be out of control. If you've come to my show at Coots before, you know how fun they are. This venue is so much better for comedy. I can't even explain it. Just get fucking tickets. These shows are going to be wild. And then on the 6th, I'm headed down to Homer. Homer, Alaska. I am coming, performing there for the first time. Alice's Champagne Palace. And then on the 7th, I will be in Seward, Alaska. So Anchorage, Homer, Seward. We're having a goddamn good time. I'm going to come kill at all those shows because I'm a fucking Alaskan assassin. Am I sorry I said that? I don't know. Listen. Dayton, Kentucky, 12th of April. If you are in the Cincinnati-ish area, Dayton, Ohio, Dayton, Kentucky, this is your chance to see me at a really cool new venue called the Commonwealth Sanctuary. And then I am headed to Portland, May 3rd. I'm headlining the Rip City Comedy Festival. I will be at McMenamin's Mission Theater. You guys, this is a cool theater. We want it to be packed out because, of course I want it to be packed out, but also like, Let's have a goddamn good time in this nice, beautiful theater. So come to that. It's going to be a hell of a time. I can't wait to come back to Portland. And then Wisconsin. I'm headed back your way. But this time I'm coming to Janesville, May 17th and 18th. Green Bay on the 19th. And then what up, Florida? St. Pete, Tampa. I'm coming your way. Uh, Tampa, I will be there June 2nd. And St. Pete, um, they're ahead of that, uh, May 31st. Tampa, I'm at Side Splitters. And if you go to the links in all of my bios or go to their website to get tickets, for a limited time, you can use the code JMS and get $5 off tickets. And wherever you are, I'm trying to get people to buy tickets early instead of waiting to the last minute and making me panic so that if it is going to sell out, it sells out faster so that I know that, the club knows that, maybe we can add a second show. Just FYI, that helps every artist that you're a fan of. So if you can ever buy ASAP, go ahead and do that. Uh, So that's your incentive to buy early in Tampa. And uh, uh, I'll be adding more dates soon. If you did not hear your town, but you want me to come there, head over to my Instagram, instagram.com slash jmscomedy or just at jmscomedy if you're using the app like most of us. Uh, click the link in my bio, join my email list. That lets me know where you guys are so I know what areas want to come see me. Uh, so do that. I can't wait to get to more cities. I'm having so much fucking fun on the road. You guys have been amazing. People have been buying merch. These audiences have been out of control, good, just electric, laughing, having a blast. And I know all these upcoming shows are going to be no exception. So I will see you there jmscomedy.com slash shows to get your tickets. Tell your friends. Tell your enemies. We're going to have a fucking good time either way. So thanks for listening to this little promo. Enjoy this episode. Ta-ta, idiots. 
What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What kind of ignorant shit is that? At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. You idiot, you fool! Hey, dummy! This is the Ignorance is Blessed podcast. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. Welcome back to Ignorance is Blessed, the podcast that attempts to overcome ignorance, mostly by asking ignorant questions. I'm your host, Jessica Michelle Singleton. You can call me JMS, or you can just call me a fucking idiot, because I don't know a thing about anything, and that's why I started this podcast. It's why we're here. If you are new, welcome, first of all. Please subscribe, rate, and review this podcast on the iTunes podcast app. It helps. Should I said iPhone, iTunes? I don't know what the appropriate thing to tell you is. But like if you're a podcast person, you get it. The little purple app that says podcast, you open it, type in my podcast, scroll down to write a review, blah, blah, blah. The point is, the more reviews I have, the easier it is for people to find my podcast, the more likely it is to pop up in searches quicker and more people find us. We can learn and grow together and eventually start a cult that takes down society. Thank you so much to all the new subscribers and reviewers. Shout out to my best idiots forever, Jean and Kathy, the top level Patreon patrons. If you want to join my Patreon, patreon.com slash ignorance is blessed. For just $1 a month, you can get early uncut episodes, bonus episodes, all the way up to I send postcards at certain levels, gifts. Get involved. It's a self-sufficient podcast. I don't want to take on sponsors that I don't believe in. And having patrons helps me stick to my morals and never cave in a desperate time and start trying to sell you a mattress that I don't actually own or I don't know vitamins I've never taken ah anyway thank you to the new patrons thank you to everyone who is coming on board and let's just dive in I am in Paris on Tuesday um yeah Pan Am Art Cafe I'm just doing a spot there, and then I am on vacation for the week with my boyfriend in Europe. Is he going to propose? Probably not. Uh, he'll be with his whole band, too. But I, um, you may have seen by now if I've committed to this, but I am toying with the idea of constantly doing videos where I think he's about to propose. Uh, but uh, And then I'm, I'm let down because I think that's funny, but then I don't want anyone to not understand that and have to deal with being like no it's a joke because last week I posted a meme two weeks ago I posted a meme with a caption joking I mean it was a, a, a joking about my brother having overdose which he did two years ago he's fine now but I ha- kept having to tell people like hey no like he didn't just overdose I'm just sharing an old tweet everything's fine focus on the joke focus on the punchline uh anyway it doesn't matter that's neither here nor de- de- there Jesus speaking of death Chelsea London Lloyd joins me to talk about losing her father. What a weird segue. Um, She lost her father at age 19 uh, to ALS. She grew up with him uh, going through the deterioration and medical issues that that causes. And uh, I I picked her brain about that. So it was a very interesting conversation. Um, Relatively lighthearted. We were able to keep it, I think, given the... Uh, topic. She's a really sweet girl, fun, uh, fun, awesome lady. I've met her. She's new in the comedy world. So a young woman who's been doing comedy for a little bit. And I actually met her. I was asked to be a guest speaker 
at a women's beginning stand-up class. Uh, my friend Lisa Sunstedt, who I've had on here, who runs the Pretty Funny Women workshops, um, asked me to come in and speak about life on the road and life as a stand-up comedian to her class. So I met her there. I was doing some tags for them and stuff. And then, what a great story. Uh, so I uh, asked if she'd be okay sharing it, and she was. She's delightful. Enough about all that. Let's get to the podcast. Here it is, Chelsea London Lloyd. Hey, idiots. You guys, I'm here with Chelsea London Lloyd. Um, amazing comedian, adorable human. I don't know if I'm supposed to say that to other women now. If that's to, like, are we allowed to call people beautiful anymore? I don't know. Who knows? They're like, it's, I'm more than that. But it's like, okay, but also, like, acknowledge how cute I am. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm into it. Yeah. Your dress. You're beautiful. Let's just stare oh into my each God. other's eyes. It's just a silent podcast. Thank you. You're lying, but I appreciate it. I've, I definitely have the vibe of someone who's only doing audio things today. And, I'm excited about it, honestly. I mean, do you think I want to be wearing this? Absolutely not. This well, is not my vibe. You but. look so cute. Uh, audition dressed up. And Ew. you literally sitting here reminded me that I was like, oh, yeah, I like told myself I was going to maybe start like filming my podcast. But no, I'm, I'm not. I'm probably never going to. It's kind of like sexy to like never know what really happened no like you don't know actually maybe we're both just naked covered in the ice cream that we're crying into um I tried to make it not sexual at the end and then I said covered in ice cream and I I'm so sorry is it weird I'm down yeah I mean no all right okay anyway juicy this is what you told me not to do you're like please don't no <laughs> no you can if something comes to you I just feel like <laughs> I never want someone to feel like they have to be on so so they feel like yeah I never want the podcast in and someone to be like I wasn't that funny and feel bad about it comedians we're such oh. sensitive creatures mm-hmm. I don't want them to be like I failed because that's I like to believe my listeners get laughs but that's not what they're here for they're for here sure. for gross personal dissecting of people's traumas and identities that is what the world is about it really is it really is a little bit closer to the mic sorry it's cheap gear let's okay well let's just dive in i met you a couple months ago maybe yeah when when was that i don't don't even know whenever you were in lisa's class teaching yeah given the joke so crazy and um i think you mentioned what we're going to talk about there but to but um oh, did I? interesting or did you have a joke on it did, wait Probably. so I'll just jump in because what we're going to talk about is that you lost your father I'm very sorry thank you uh, to ALS yes did you also have did your is your mom alive she great great these are great questions she has advanced breast cancer so she's alive okay oh boy because I thought I remembered your mom having breast cancer and I didn't remember oh god <laughs> We can go to all the places. Oh my God, we're hanging on by a titty. Mm -hmm. Ah, sweet dear. Because I was like, I feel like there was something else there. I should have tried to play that like a psychic. I'm getting a vibe. Um, (laughs) Oh boy. You look like someone who's the daughter of sick and dead people. I am the daughter (laughs) of very, very sick mentally uh, and emotionally. Well, no, and physically now. My mom, she has COPD, which... What is that? Uh coronary something something pulmonary she smoked too many cigarettes Mm. it's emphysema basically but she plays it off like it's just an extended cold and I'm like all right well 
I hear you breathing. It's very rough. Aww, but how's she doing? I mean, she's doing okay. She lives in Korea. And so she Yeah, wow. she works for the government. I think she's a spy. I need to Are make jokes about Korea? it. No. Okay. But I should start telling people I am, because that's exotic. Let's see what happens. I'm just like, I'm I have said that she lives in Korea and had people go like, Oh, I didn't know you're Korean. I kinda see it. And I'm like, No, you don't. What does that mean? <laughs> no. I wish you did, because it would mean my skin looked amazing. But um so I don't know. She'll never she's one of those people who just sort of like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. She's never gonna tell me. How. she could be literally like a cough away from dying and being like i'm fine mm. and then secretly like nobody cares about me she's fun i hope she's okay sorry me too um and uh it's just hard parents get old too and that's rough but then my dad is just i have no idea how he is physically because he's been gone for years so you know we all have our different drama my yeah. my dad you talk about oh yeah family? i've been talking about it more too but uh yeah he like abandoned me so it's just uh I'm you sorry. know that's, that's it's really difficult i that's mean it's crazy. all yeah. difficult yeah it's i feel like a lot of comedians have some sort of that's so funny like you have dead parent vibes and i'm like i get it i was by the way i was saying that you would maybe were thinking that about me i wasn't oh, okay i wasn't projecting that <laughs> onto you and i felt like i was like that's crazy that, because no, people always no, say i have orphan vibes no, but no i was joking that like you i was not saying that about i haven't me. had enough coffee <laughs> i can't even get your jokes i'm failing they weren't jokes it was a failure no I, was just, yeah. I wonder how many people listening that whole time were like as I was just going on and on, we're like, you fucking moron. <laughs> no, I felt really bad because I was like, I don't. I start crying. Thing. <laughs> I'm like, I wanted to know ah! that info. Like, I well, wanted to know. Now we're all, I mean, we're all not, I wouldn't say the same page, but we know where we're at. Mm-hmm. Let's just dive in. Okay. Cause I want to ask you more questions now about this. Like, I, like, let's that's do another, another podcast, podcast for another. I should, yeah. I should. Yeah. I've got the hundredth episode coming up. Maybe I'll have someone interview me. Yes. Yes. I feel that. Yes. And yes. yeah, it's a little bit of a cop out of like, I feel like I have to get a big guest and I don't know who I'm going to get. Surprise. So what a fucking lame. It's me. And they're like, we've heard enough about you, bitch. No, I, I would be super interested to listen to that episode. I would. Lo- I wish, yeah, my podcast is only people with dead parents or else I would interview you. Hey, give me a few but, years. Yeah. I'm coming Call in strong. when it happens. Yeah, when I get yeah. the notification, you'll because that's what it's going to be. I'll be tagged in a Facebook post. And my stepdad will just like post a photo of my mom dead on the ground and be like, we lost her. <laughs> like, oh, God. I hope it's, not. It sounds morbid, but I'm not 100% true. I'm not 100% sure if that's even a joke. Um... <laughs> Anyway, let's get into your dad. Okay. So, ALS. But that's Lou Gehrig's disease, right? Yes. They are. It is two names for the same thing because it wasn't confusing enough. So, they I mean, to give it two names. My goodness. Um, so, if anyone listening doesn't know anything about ALS, can you, are you able to give a little like summary? I feel yes. like I could, but maybe it's better from you. Sure, we could both do it. Roll the dice, see yeah. what comes out. Um, ALS, or Lou Gehrig's disease, stands for amyotrophic lateral sclerosis. <laughs> That's all we need to know. Big words. And Scary. Yeah, so Lou Gehrig was a baseball player, a famous baseball player, who had the disease, and it was named after him. And it is a disease where your muscles stop working and eventually deteriorate, essentially. So they just stop working and go away which is why people can look really 
skinny and frail um and they don't know how you get it and there's no cure um so that's you know d- difficult obviously a huge bummer yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> what a what a shitty way to put it well that sucks <laughs> nothing great about it but it's interesting they have you know learning so much more about it and there are lots of athletes who get it which i think is interesting although they haven't been able to pinpoint why but yeah a lot of people who like played a lot of sports tend to get it you tend to get it later in life a lot of men in their 50s or 60s there are some people now who are getting it earlier but in general it's like an older person and more men than women women get it that's so interesting how old was your dad when he got it he was in his 50s okay how old were you I was eight his first symptoms when I was four and then he wasn't diagnosed for a few years oh wow what were the first like what made him finally go do you I don't know eight's pretty young I don't know if you remember like what made him go like maybe I should see a doctor I know a lot about it from like talking to him later yeah yeah I mean he said his first symptoms were like little like twitches and just things that were so subtle you kind of thought you were going insane like is it me or did something just move in my body which is kind of interesting yeah Yeah. that I guess I, I mean, I can't imagine, but the idea of, I just, I sometimes get like twitchy, like ticks just from, you know, just that, like that jerk awake. <laughs> I start, I find out I'm having seizures all the time. Um, no, just like some, I have rheumatoid arthritis, so sometimes I'll just have weird little ticks, but like, yeah, I imagine if it's involuntary, it would feel kind of almost like you're being gaslighted by your own body. Like, wait. Mm-hmm. whoa and then you know dropping forks like dropping silverware was the thing that made him realize there was something wrong oh, wow. just not being able to hold you know pens and just like little things like that um so that's so, so he's like I gotta talk to somebody yeah do you know how long between him going I need to see someone like how long it took to find a diagnosis? Yeah, it took a few years because, I mean, it's weird. That wasn't that long ago, but just every year medicine gets so much better. So much so better. Even then, they just, you know, ran tests and didn't screen for every possible thing even then. And ALS is rare, so people don't assume. Yeah, you don't you go in and someone ALS. jumps to, like, probably right. ALS. Right, right. Maybe, I mean, thank God. Right. <laughs> Maybe now there's more, you know, information. Yeah, well, I know with, like, testing and stuff, there's so much more they're able to see, too, in, like, blood. They can test for such specific things and look at specific things with like MRIs where it's like, yeah, not that long ago. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would. And even now still they're like with autoimmune stuff and other, you know, diseases, they can go, a lot of things kind of mimic each other. So they're like, well, it could be a few, a few things. And mm-hmm. then you sort of have to, I don't even know. Yeah. Wow. And most people, um, die within a few years like about 75 percent are you know two to three years sometimes five and then like 25 percent or less or more than that and like less than 10 percent or more than 10 years which his was if you count from his first symptoms worth 15 years till he died which is on the rarer side of ALS wow so you were 19 yes that's right mm-hmm. um yikes out how quickly did it get like really bad? Like I assume he ended up in a wheelchair. Yes. Yes. Um, I mean, it progresses 
differently for everyone. It, of course. So people, it's you, you. Your limbs is common to either have issues there first, or it goes to your, uh, you know, voice, oh. chest, worse, which is I think is even more challenging. I mean, to lose your voice. Oh no, that I mean, I genuinely have like a deep fear and like nightmares. I sp- I think. Sp- Anyone would, but especially as people who have started making, you know, a they're career. living <laughs> out of speaking. Yeah. That truly haunts me. Like, I'll lose my voice. I lose it too regularly. I should take better care <laughs> of it. I just yell a lot. Mm-hmm. But when it goes, I'm like, well, what if it's never coming back? I'm like, fuck. Did he completely lose his voice? So he, that, his was the opposite. So his limbs first. Okay. Um, so yeah, I was diagnosed when I was in third grade. By the time I was in seventh grade, so four years, he, he was completely paralyzed, like from head to toe. You know, n- oh gosh, not like, yeah, not. I mean, for for you, I remember he couldn't drive, uh, but he could walk and still like move around without usage of his arms or hands, and like people would just feed him. Then it moved to being completely paralyzed. So he ended up moving to a 24 hour care home, like 45 minutes away. Cause my mom took care for of him for imagine years and years. Yeah. That's so hard. But then at a certain point, it's like your full time job and you know, he was and a you tall have to guy p- and how do you even, well, yeah, it? yeah, it's yeah. When you have to like m- physically move people and it's right. like, it's so sad because you obviously don't want to put someone you love so far away and they, you know, they're isolated. They can't even, you know, do anything. But, you know, at a certain point, it's what else can you do? Yeah. And it's like, I mean, the care, like, fortunately, this was such a great facility. Like, the caregivers were amazing. And That's my amazing. Mom visit him every day. But, not everyone has the opportunity to have a, a facility that's so great or at all, unfortunately. So it's very tricky to navigate like how you're gonna pay for that and oh, absolutely care for them and stuff like that. Well, and with all the like red tape of insurance, or if people can even afford insurance, it's so it's really sad our country, the like state of affairs with all of that. I mean, luckily your dad was able to go somewhere, at least you know, where he was well taken care of, which is. I think the most you can hope for in a situation like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How did that affect you? Like, how did that make you feel having to go visit your dad or when, when it was, when it was like, okay, just the moment of realizing your dad's going to like be moved into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it was really awkward because that, you know, middle school is so awkward in general. So like not having the tools to like, say how you're feeling about it absolutely well and then in in middle school it's like I feel like the only thing middle schoolers worry about like uh, is like am I gonna be embarrassed yeah like are people gonna am am I cool will I be made fun of at school yeah totally so like I just you know I didn't really realize the severity of it till later but I remember feeling really like, you know, it, well, it was, it's just hard because I think, you know, you'd get used to him in a certain state and then the next year, like something, something else. else. So just sort of that, you know, strangeness, but I have a lot of compassion for anyone, you know, who deals with it because I'm like, oh wow, that was hard. But at the time I just probably thought it was like the norm, but weird. I don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, I feel like at, like every kid, you don't have the tools to communicate properly and just 
I think everyone thought whatever was going on with their parents is like, well, it's just what happens with parents. Yeah. Like it's your norm. So even though it's difficult, I think our brains just adjusted as like, well, this is what happens. Yeah. And for better or worse, I don't know. Um, did you, were you able to visit him a lot? Yeah, I went, I mean, I probably went like once a week, which is like, I mean, that's kind of sad. I'm like for him, he, that was probably like the highlight of his like, I mean, life. I'm sure, but it felt like a lot. And then in high school it was harder just because like life's crazy and like all this stuff. You oh, absolutely. Do. I definitely had, you know, years of my life that I was not as consistent, which like looking back, you're like, oh wow. Like that sucks that he yeah. probably would have loved it. But you know, you're just like, oh, I don't need to go this week. You're you know? like, what am I going to do? Well, especially like in high school, it's so just I will just in every year uh no but you are you, you don't think as deeply about you anything, know right. anything so you're not going like oh my dad's probably sitting there and like bored and lonely you're just like what am I gonna do there right like we already talked last time it's like we have nothing to catch up on nothing new has happened for me yeah, yeah. probably nothing for him and you're just not definitely nothing <laughs> yeah it's like pretty same day to day how are the walls looking yeah and that can be hard for anyone even if they they like I mean obviously he's your dad you love him but it is I think that's it's a bummer but why it like causes people to hesitate visiting anyone in like a hospital or Mm -hmm. any type of facility because you're like oh it's gonna be awkward you know you go after five minutes you're like so still not moving huh that's bummer you know you're like I'm gonna make it worse yeah for sure and like the relationships I had with the different nurses and caregivers was always so weird like some of them were super nice but I didn't want them to be nice some of them were rude and then why would you be rude it's just like so I like really should write like a script about it but add it to the list of things that like I probably won't do tomorrow but one day (laughs) oh I mean tell it to me girl i everything this there's always something to write about that I'm not writing about right truly don't you feel like as a comedian people are always like oh I know this about you are you gonna write about do you have a pilot about that you should write a book write a feature and it's like yeah okay well I'm one person and I'm losing my mind but thank you for the suggestion person has a day job and isn't a maniac like I am like you're like yeah if I had 80 more hours in the day sure for sure for sure yeah it's it's so fun. Just all the, why don't you just do this? And you're like, oh yeah, I'll whip that up right now. I'll just go on the Tonight Show tomorrow. Sure. I'll call. Yeah. It's I, so I have like mad respect for anyone who writes a book. Cause I think that would be so cool one day, but I would like, would you want to write I a mean, book one day? I mean, so many people, right. that's a big thing I've gotten as feedback. You should write a book. Mm-hmm. And then I've thought like, that would be cool. Only based on like, people seem to think it'd be cool. Mm-hmm. But then when I actually go like, maybe I'll start planning this book. Then I go like, I don't want to write a book about my life. I'll do something else. Like some, I'm like, I need something catchier. And then the book about my life. And it's like, I haven't written anything remotely close to a book, but people do like reading about like lives. It's the same reason they like podcasts. You right. know, I was gonna say, I mean, you are doing it. Like you're talking about yourself around the country and world and stand up and doing this podcast. So like that is a version of a book that actually can impact just as many people. Oh my God. I could just cut my podcast into an audiobook. <laughs> done (laughs) just every time I started talking about myself which is too much (laughs) 
fair um same same z's same z's yeah my dad actually wrote speaking of books he so he started when he was diagnosed writing a book because he was bored because he he was a lawyer and he couldn't practice anymore which i always think about like you know how much you love your career yeah i love my career like imagining not being able to do a the thing you love b the thing you prepped for so much of your life for and c the thing that makes you money is just mind-blowing yeah it's like you've made it your identity yeah and now i truly think that there's and i don't think i'm alone in this so saying i would but so many comedians, especially ones that people look at as like, wow, that person's very hardworking. They're always doing something. I, I literally think some of it's almost like, yeah, they have to keep working. Like that's how I'm a workaholic, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, if one day it was just like, I couldn't be working on something, I think I would actually lose my mind. Mm-hmm. Like I would go, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So to have like everything just whoosh. like, and just not being able to do that. So crazy but then he started writing a book like about all of that and then when his hands stopped working he wrote it with his feet and then when his feet stopped working he would audibly like dictate to someone and then eventually they'll like end with his eyes and he wrote a book about his experience with the ALS with his eyes yeah because so for the last year and a half he that's when he lost his voice and he'd communicate by blinking at letters on these different like devices or whiteboards even oh so they had like what you want like hi i'm hungry like but it would take like an hour to like find out oh that's Um, devastating probably not hungry because that was a feeding tube at that point but just like with whatever you want because your brain is 100 percent there you know there's you know what's going on you just can't Can't, it's not like the nerves aren't going to where they need to go you're literally trapped inside your own body you can't move you can't even like you can't even like go like, like turn your head or like change a channel or scratch your face like you like the imagery is just a person completely paralyzed, not moving. And the muscles, even in your face, like can't, you know, they can't even smile. And then you're like blinking. So it's just, it's muscles. Yeah. So do you still have like nerve? I wonder if there's been research done that like, God, are you still like itchy and you're still uncomfortable and there's nothing you can do? Yeah. I like itched his face a lot or like put a washcloth on his face. You know, I remember stuff like that, but Maybe at a certain point that goes away. I don't. I don't know. But yeah, crazy. Wow, this isn't what Stephen Hawking had, right? It's actually really. I was like, people probably. I was gonna be like, I don't want to ask this, but like, I bet people say this all the time. Yeah, it's some in in LS or in he had. I'm like MLS major league soccer I think it's called. I should check. I think it's called juvenile ALS or like something like that. I'm looking looking it up up right right now. now because I remember thinking it was ALS and then. Like, I have a stand-up joke that goes... Oh, like, yeah. But they just... Uh, early onset, slow-progressing form of mer- motor neuron disease. Yeah. Also known as amyotrophic... Juvenile... Lateral a- sclerosis. But I thought it was something different. So it's it's a version of ALS, which is why I don't remember the exact name. I mean, I guess it's what you it just, just said. It just progresses very slowly. It's it's like a... It, yeah, it's a version of ALS, but it's it's one that you can live with. Like it's a little bit better. Like for instance, someone with standard ALS is not going to live the length of time that, I mean, he lived so long. Right. And that's because it's not the same thing. It's, but it's very, very close. That's probably the best. I wonder. Yeah. I wonder if they know that, like, I wonder now 
if they can recognize yes. oh the form you they have can. yeah they can really yeah did they give your dad a prognosis yeah i mean it's just everyone's is usually a few years they're just like it's about this but maybe longer yeah most people two to three years is like tops is what it is wow. at least like three-fourths of the people so but you know anything can happen it was a really good example of outliving the numbers and it's like so hard because it's important to have that information i guess but it's like anything is possible yeah like, he lived so much longer than what they they thought. And they thought i wonder how much is mental and you know your willing i was gonna bring that stuff. up is like how much is i mean but maybe not it's like yeah no i'm yeah. very on the fins and I roll my eyes a lot, but then I try to go like, well, let me at least try the woo woo if I'm positive. Mm -hmm. Cause then it's like, all right, well, if I really try to be, you know, the, I, I'm sure you've heard it's LA, the secret, the, you know, you have to manifest. I've heard, and I've heard that there's research on having the right mindset can make things a little bit better. Like a lot of people who get sick, they just obsess over how sick they are and that they're going to die. And then, those people, I'm sure this isn't true across the board, but like often, like if they have a prognosis for something terminal, it's pretty quick. Mm -hmm. Like, Whereas like people with the mindset of like, I can beat this or like I can outlive the things. But it's like, of course you only hear the stories of the people who thought that and did right. outlive. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, there has to be some people that are like, I'm going to beat the odds and then die the next day or whatever. Yeah, it can be kind of triggering because there's some people I think, it, I mean, a lot of it is genetic and what's just going to happen. I think the mental can perhaps prolong something by a little bit, maybe. Maybe, but, yeah. But not like, okay, I had this mental outlook and then I lived 10 years. Like, I do not believe that. No. Yeah. Was, was your family religious at all? Um, My parents are both Jewish. Okay. Um, my dad actually was super religious growing up he went to like Hebrew school like every single day but then he had a lot of issues like when he was diagnosed of well what does that mean and who is there someone or something that planned this or not is this random I think it's something a lot of sick people kind of I'm sure mm -hmm. or anyone who goes through a trauma even like being the person losing someone like that to go like well why if I mean if God loves me <laughs> why would I mean, I, I definitely like, yeah. What do you think about? Trauma? I mean, I can say for sure that trauma definitely pushed me to stop being religious, mm. but it's hard to say if I would have just through my, I, I question everything. So I don't know if I would have ended up kind of going away from it anyway, mm -hmm. but it was like enough death and loss and like, cause I had a lot of friends die in like high oh, school. Really? Yeah. It's very absurd. Alaska is like, I don't know. People drop like flies there. Like murders Why and suicides and drug overdose. I honestly think the darkness makes people like it exacerbates mental illness probably. Mm. And then also like substance abuse because it's depressing and, mm -hmm. and then just in general depressing. I mean, I have so many friends who had like lost parents to suicide and like friends who have committed suicide and just... I forgot the point of this. Oh, so I mean, and then my dad like leaving the family That's made a, a lot huge of deal. Yeah. So it's just, you know, you, if you're in indoctrinated into, I was, I grew up in like a Catholic church and it's just like this whole idea of like, Jesus loves you and God, you know, we're all God's children. It was just this kind of like, 
Well, even if he's real, like, I, I don't, I'm not going to worship someone who lets that happen. And now I'm sort of like, I went staunch atheist for a while. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, not, not to the point that I like talk to people about it. I didn't need to assemble about my atheism. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we get it. You believe in nothing. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> it's like, do you have to ruin this person's happiness just because you think they're an idiot? <laughs> but now I, I feel like I fall in like agnostic I don't know what I believe, but like I've done mushrooms and I believe that there's definitely some sort of energetic connection between all of us. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it's like, it's fun to think about like, yeah, Oh, maybe, you know, like you ascend and like you come back if you haven't finished your journey or like when I get really high on mushrooms, I'm like, I think I come from that star. Uh, And it's always the same star. I'm like, I feel connected to it, (laughs) which like we all come from stardust, like biologically speaking, how we evolved I guess but I don't know I just I'm just like the you know maybe I think organized religion is a way to like control people Mm -hmm. and in my opinion ridiculous but I also get that if that's something that you know makes someone happy or if that's like I don't want to fucking pull the cord out for somebody it's like if I don't think you should have to be told that you'll go to hell to be a nice person. But like, mm-hmm. if the only thing keeping you from murdering me is that you think you're going to go to hell, then I hope you always think you're going to go to hell. You right. Know? Right. Like if that's, if you're just like, well, I would, but God doesn't like it. Something I think is really complicated though, is just how you're raised, the influences you have when you're so young. I wonder, can you ever overcome some of those influences? And some people do and convert yeah. and, and whatever. But a lot of people, I think if you're ingrained something by everyone in your life that you love and respect and are told this is true or this isn't true that's very 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 difficult to undo so it's like oh yeah friends that are super religious it's like but but I, if I was grown if I grew up like that I probably would be too or or would people like you and I find our way out like I don't know yeah oh it's so easy to judge from your like <laughs> right I took a uh, humble brag. I did an online um, like religious studies course uh, through Harvard. Wait, uh, really? Yeah, for That's, free. You, there's a website exists? called edX.org who I wish would sponsor this podcast, but you can do, it's like a lot of places are just trialing courses before they make them either online courses at their actual university. I don't know how it works. Whoa. But you can do these courses. And I did this religious tradition study and the whole like first segment, cause it was like six actual different programs but it talked about, it's this word that they 100% made up. It's called situatedness. And that's sort of what I base my podcast on. I always do like a disclaimer at the end for every guest to go like, hey, like when I do the outro and stuff, you won't be here for it. It's just what I tag on the end. But it's a reminder that like whoever I'm interviewing isn't speaking on behalf of anyone else who's had that experience. Mm -hmm. But situatedness is just like, how your entire experience like or a person's entire experience leads them to Mm. what they believe that it's like you're never going to fully understand you know why someone is a devoutly conservative muslim if you didn't grow up right in their you know family in their neighborhood and and just across the board all of it so that makes so much sense well it's good and that's what gives you empathy is that you you know if you can realize that you're like okay yeah i'm i don't agree with you at all but i don't I didn't have all the voices telling me this is the way and the truth. And if all, like if everyone you trust is being like, this is 
I mean, that's literally how religions thrive is, mm-hmm. I mean, in my opinion, not to be the most curmudgeon person, but it's like, yeah, if you want your kid to be a Christian, you have to start brainwashing them early. <laughs> like, dunk them in that water. Tell them it's saving them. Is there a stand-up moment around this? Because I, I feel like... Um, I'm not doing you. a bit on you, but as I'm saying it, I'm like, I probably should talk about this. <laughs> but let's get back to you. Let's get back to... I mean, let's get back to all the fun of losing a parent. Death, blood, sweat, tears. When you... So you touched on it a little, but like looking back now and thinking about how, you know, you visited him like once a week, do you have any like remorse or do you wish you would have, like if you could give advice to someone, would you go like, go more? Yeah. So I feel like advice for someone, I mean, at that age, I don't, I mean, I'm also someone in life that I don't believe in regrets. Like I don't regret what I did, but I would say anyone who's losing someone or anyone who has a friend or family member with an illness, like not being afraid to pick up the phone more often than you'd you'd think or or even if you only have 20 minutes it's like yeah no one ever has an hour and a half to talk on the phone so it's like okay I have 20 minutes and or just sending like texts or emails um I also think like a piece of advice is sometimes just saying like thinking of you or I saw this it was funny or interesting and sometimes like tagging like no worries on reply or like saying yeah you don't need to respond I think is nice yeah so that they don't feel because that can probably get overwhelming too when you're yeah tired and not feeling great yeah um and also um so therapy I I never had a therapist at all um (gasps) and like my mom at the time also had breast cancer which is kind of another story but at the time they were both diagnosed the same year yeah so like oh so when you were like eight your mom got diagnosed with breast cancer and she's still with us yeah so then she had it for a few years oh yeah we said that to me i forgot if that was on the podcast or not i heard too so hers came back so she was in remission for 17 years which is a long time and it came back a few years ago um i'm sorry thank you um it's a kind of a whole other topic, but what I have learned from all of that is like, if you have an illness in your family, it's really important for a child to have either a traditional therapist or some kind of adult figure to speak to that isn't the parent. Cause, cause as a kid, you're like, I don't want to burden my parents with my feelings. They're sick. It's also, if you have a sick, uh, like a, yeah, any illness, I was gonna say a sibling Yes, as well. Sibling. Cause you yes. can, I think parents can unintentionally neglect the healthy child mm-hmm. when there's a sick child totally all and, kinds of stuff like that and so you didn't have a therapist no so I I think you know and then in like what you resist persists so there was just issues that you have I mean all kids have some kind of issues but of course my issues like around guys and like even just like not having a super present father figure and also like not acknowledging how I really felt about things because I always told people everything's fine everything's fine yeah and like it actually manifested in like dating issues as does as does so much (laughs) wait did it like affect like your ability to date or the kind of people you date um well yeah both um like I was I mean this is also really common girls and they're like teens and early 20s but I really was like so into guys that weren't really like validating my feelings that weren't really there because I saw my dad once week and that was like an amazing love that I knew so if I only saw a guy like on occasion or he you're like that's great I thought that was 
truly, I thought that was great. Mickey talks to me once a week. That's what you do when you love someone. And like, it's like, I was so young. All young girls, like, of course we all go through, but but it had, I'm sure it had its own like element. Did you ever start going to therapy? Yeah. So when my mom got diagnosed the second time, it just brought up so many feelings actually around my dad just kind of flashbacks to like hospitals and diagnosis and Ugh. all that stuff. So I was like, I need to, I, I finally was like, I like can't like, I can't handle, handle this, this. Without. And then I finally started talking to someone and it's been so helpful. I feel like a completely different person. And I think, wow, like this would have been really great earlier on. Yeah. <laughs> you know what though? It's like, I think a lot of parents, they're doing the best. Yeah, they're, they're doing the best they can. And like, and even there have been stigmas around therapy for like years. Mm-hmm. It's really only now starting to, I mean, I think a lot of people were going to therapy back in like the nineties, early two thousands and not going like this means I'm crazy. But I think there is that stigma on like, well, you only go to therapy if you're like a lunatic or something's really wrong. And mm-hmm. the, and a th- I could see our parent go like, well, there's nothing wrong with you. Right. It's right. like, I'm just going to add one more thing to your calendar. You're already probably, it's already hard enough, especially for a parent who's sick and then caring for a sick parent. Yeah. And now that's one more thing that she has to get a child to. Mm-hmm. It's a bummer, but yeah. But accessibility to that stuff is changing too. There's like teletherapy. Yes. So that's promising for other people. <laughs> We've already been fucked up, but lucky for them. Or I think even just like, you know, like having access to blogs and podcasts can teach parents more about the effects that their kids are, you know, the mental effects of all of this that they absolutely or can teach an individual about right. Like someone could hear someone, you know, I don't know, someone could be going through a similar thing and go like, oh, wow, I never thought I should go to therapy, but maybe I should. Yeah. Or even if you don't have access to a therapist, I really think some kind of adult that's not in the immediate family unit, an adult that does not live in the house, it literally could be an aunt, uncle, or grandparent, or a family friend, or a religious figure, or a teacher, or like a big brother or sister, someone that your child can talk to semi-regularly throughout the year about their experience specifically about the illness. I'm like a big advocate for that, even if it's not traditional therapy. Yeah. No, it's just an outlet, if nothing else. Like yeah. you can't afford to go to a therapist having right. a friend. That's great. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck. I had just had a question and I lost it. Oh, sorry. I probably rambled. No, it's okay. It's cause I was so engaged. <laughs> um, having two parents who have had, you know, obviously very severe illnesses. Um, how has that affected your, um, attitude toward, um, like health stuff and death? Like, I'm because I know some people become like hypochondriacs or become I can joke about death very easily because I've lost people and sometimes people with you know close people who die develop are you know some people are too triggered and some people are like yeah I can make horrendous jokes about death Mm -hmm. how is do you think that's affected you at all yeah it's definitely similar to you like I can make I mean I feel like I'm like a totally different person if I'm doing stand-up or comedy about it like I wouldn't be in this like state of seriousness like at all absolutely so like definitely talking about it on stage and just I've only been vocal about it the last couple of years again like my mom's diagnosis was the proponent for all of this kind of triggered everything yeah literally. did that get you into stand-up comedy um like yes and no I had tried I mean kind of I tried stand-up before like but I had never done it the way I'm doing it as of the past year and a half um so yeah like I just it was a journey that I tried went away and then came back but I also think for some people like age I just like the 
when I started stand up when I was like 21, the crap I had joked about was so dumb. Surfacy. It was just like, oh, of course. I'm like, you know? I got so, so drunk. <laughs> like, yeah. how drunk was I? Or just, yeah. I mean, I did 10 minutes on my asshole. Like, <gasps> I actually would love to. Which I that. still, like, oh, I want to bring back. <laughs> but you've been doing stand up for such a long time. How did you start getting into stand up? Um, I mean, I was just always the funny kid in class, which in retrospect was 100% like a coping mechanism. Humor's mm. a go. Like, if I really pull apart why I do stand up, it's 100% coping with fear. Mm. Like, the, I joke about when I joke about horrible things, like, if I were to psychoanalyze every terrible, inappropriate thing I've made a joke about, it's like, yeah, I'm afraid of that. Mm. Or, like, I don't know. I'm sure there's some sort of, you know, the classic, I was neglected, I was abused. and But it's like, for me, humor is a way to deal with th- things. And that's, it's weird to me when people get sensitive about, especially if it's your own trauma, mm-hmm. because it triggers them. You know, Oh, don't joke about this or don't joke about that. It's like, yeah, for me, especially things as dark as like death or like mental health stuff, losing other people, suicide, even things like, you know, abuse across, you know, any type like, or, or even like, I understand why people joke about some political stuff, even though I don't like to do that. Cause I get so fucking riled up, but mm-hmm. like things that are out of my control that I can't undo that I couldn't have stopped. I couldn't have, you know, made someone healthier. I couldn't have, you know, been there at the right time. It's like a way to cope with it mm-hmm. for me. It's like, even like with my own mental health stuff, it's like, okay, well, I don't know if I can get rid of the way my brain works because of trauma. Obviously I still am, you know, trying to work on it from like a healthy standpoint, but it's like, okay, if I'm going to have to work within the confines of, you know, having sort of like anxiety, depression, PTSD, how can I make enough, like how can I make myself not feel bad about it? Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't know. It's a coping mechanism. Mm-hmm. Is that, I mean, what's humor to you? <laughs> Some people, I mean like everyone loves to laugh. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. But did you ever like, are your parents funny? <laughs> Great question. Um, but no, that's so cool. I like, I'm so interested. I like have so many more questions about like your stand-up journey and like <laughs> life and everything. Cause you're so successful and like doing so many shows. Oh my God. Crushing it, traveling. Like it's, it's so cool. Oh my it's God. Really thank you. It's a grind. Do you know, like you, do you know like how big of a deal it is though? Like, do you ever remind yourself? I, I, it's a thing I have to actively work on because mm-hmm. it just, because I'm a workaholic and like, I'm always like, what's the next thing? I'm because I just want to keep creating that it's easy to and because just the industry in general is so up and down like you're gonna have highs and lows and for me when it's just like calm it's like nothing's going wrong but I don't have a big thing going on right now Mm -hmm. that can feel like a sudden low for me so yeah I have to constantly remind myself that like because also because I have a I'm so hung up on not wanting to get I don't want to be I never want to become like egotistical or whatever I've seen people get like a tiny tv credit and become a monster and it's like what's wrong with you no one's even seen that tv show I know like even if they have but like literally no one has (laughs) but I do have to go like oh it's actually a huge deal that I'm a paid regular at the comedy store huge because I think almost anything for anyone at a certain point once you've done it long enough 
it just feels like your day to day. And it's mm. easy to forget that like, this is an, a thing that most people never achieve or like, Oh, I had a number one album on iTunes. And then I go like, wait, I had a number one album on iTunes. Wait, that's amazing. So it's like, but it's easy to just go, Oh, I feel like, you know, everyone does that. Cause then you start comparing yourself to, especially like being at the store. It's like, I'm the bottom of the barrel at the, as far as, and you know, I think every, you know, it's, it's all great comedians, but as far as like notable check the box achievements of the things that you're supposed to want, like the specials and the whatever, I don't have all those credits and I don't even know what I want in terms of all that, but it's easy to go like, Oh, I mean that person's fucking, they're doing all this. Like I'll get, if I'm in LA for, that's what I love about the road. If I'm in LA mm-hmm. for too long, I start comparing myself to people who are doing things that like, I don't even think I want to do. <laughs> I'll be like, they right. got a sitcom. They're hosting that a pop culture show. And I'm like, I don't care about pop culture. Why am I upset? I was like, no one even asked. It's like, of course they didn't. Like, what are you fucking? That's so relatable. It's so, I know. And then it's like, I can't believe they're doing a cat food commercial. And I'm like, I, what? Yeah. Who, who cares? So yeah, it's totally. easy. I think to forget it's, it's easier to look in general at the negatives. Well, you should come surround yourself with like my level of not to like level people, but just like my level of like comedian friends, you know, like you're so like doing what a lot of people would want to do. So you should come step over here for a second and you'll be like, wow, I'm amazing. Well, yeah. And it's, it's, I mean, it is always like so flattering and like, that's why I love going into like Lisa's classes uh, when she'll like ask me to come like speak or like do punch up and I don't do it a lot I actually should hit her up because mm-hmm. I, I love doing it first of all I love punching up jokes mm-hmm. like I literally just started I don't know why I haven't been doing this regularly but I'm like people are like paying me to just they send me sets and I like give them notes and stuff so it's like a remote like Whoa. side income which is good because comedy's so up and down especially as someone who's straight up only does stand up yeah but I fucking I love jokes my brain has always worked in jokes mm-hmm. Like so many of the things I quote learned, like I did Lisa's class years ago, Mm -hmm. the things that she taught about like how to make jokes, like all of that is just how my, I didn't know there was a, like when she was saying a formula, I was like, it's not a thing I think about. It's just how my brain's always worked. I love doing punch up. That's so cool. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, and it is cool meeting people who like, you know, like a lot of times in the class, they'll have just heard about me because I'm coming to the class. But then like, that's so cool that you do that. And then every once in a while, I meet people who are like, oh my God, I come to the store. I love, like only in the last like couple years, like just a few, it it means a lot from anybody. But when a young like female comedian is mm-hmm. like, you're my favorite comedian, which is, and, and I'm not saying it happens all the time. Yeah. <laughs> no, but like just a handful of times I've had people go like, you're like genuinely like my favorite person to watch or my favorite comedian. I really look up to you. Like that's crazy to me. Cause I'm like me, but it's so cool that I'm like, Oh, I am now in the position that like the comedians I look up to were in. Like when I first started, I was like, Oh my God. And I'm still a huge fan. Like Sean Polofsky. Love, love. Where I was like, she's so cool. She does the comedy store and like, Oh my God. And it's like, Oh my God, I'm doing that now. That's, it's just interesting. It's so impressive too, that you like, just focus on stand-up and you're successful and how much you do and like paid in just stand-up but not also doing all these other things like that's really really amazing well I think some of my like achievements in standoff it's standoff stand-up uh-oh Freudian slip um I'm standoff 
I, I don't know. So many people have been like, are, do you, why don't you do the other things? Are you afraid? Is it people like get in my head that, oh, maybe, you know, you're self-sabotaging. And I'm like, I think I just don't, I just like the live performance and I'm trying to do the other stuff now, mm-hmm. but like with stand up, there was, I never had to like force myself to get into it. Like I just love it so much that mm-hmm. it's easy for me to lean in. And a lot of people I think trust, try and do stand up because they think it's going to help them with their other, with the other thing. And yeah. I don't, Big, I used to be like, oh, fuck that. There's fucking, oh, you got your five minutes when I was like newer. Oh, really? But I don't begrudge people who are like, you know, trying to get in where you fit in or whatever. But mm-hmm. for me, stand up is the thing. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that I love it so much made it easier for me to kind of put on blinders to everything else and lean in. And mm-hmm. I think because I put all my energy toward it. I really respect people that it, actually pick and choose and stick with the well, one thing. When it's in LA, you kind of are made to feel like you have to do it all. Right. And when I made a commitment to just like, I was like, you know, at least for now, I'm just going to lean into stand up. Mm-hmm. I think that's when things really started going like taking off for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that would be true about anyone. It's like, it's also hard to pick just one thing. You like, there's so much yes. fun stuff to do. And if you have a creative brain, there's so many ways you could exercise that. There's so many things that I come up with that like maybe aren't suited for stand up, but would be funnier in another medium. Yeah. And it's like definitely of course possible to do more, more than one thing. But I think, you know, all we have is a hundred percent energy. Mm-hmm. And so if you're doing two things at max, you're giving them 50%. Jack of all trades, master of none. Exactly. And so that's actually been a problem with me in the last like year. I wanted to do all these fun, like, let me try other stuff mm-hmm. over committing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh, I'm giving everything 10% because I'm dying. <laughs> like I am so tired. Right. And right. then the one thing I love that started, I don't want to say suffering, but my writing and stuff slowed down immensely. Mm-hmm. And then when the other things I tried, like kind of didn't pan out, then I was fucking mad at myself for like, Oh, I should have been just writing. Blah. But it's also so human. We're going to have different interests and stuff. And it's all about balance. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of balance, let's get back to your dad. <laughs> no, I'm so interested. <laughs> I'm like, this is an interview all about. Um, I'm like, God. Um, let me see. I have some questions from a couple listeners. Mm-hmm. And. Okay. This disease. This is what my question was. Oh, okay. We covered that. Um. Did your, like, do you feel like your, did your dad ever express to you, probably not because you're his child, but like any like of his like mental, emotional struggles around, um, I say probably not like my mom didn't spew all of her problems on me. (laughs) Um, love you mom, uh, around having ALS and like how hard it was. Um, towards the end more so like, like when I was like 17, 18, yeah, he would talk about like how you know, like, I remember him talking about how life is short. I mean, hopefully not that short. Yeah. You're like, well, for you, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> God, but talking about how, you know, you only have one life and I've had such a, you know, difficult last decade. And I really wish for you to, you know, live your, just live the wildest, whatever, well, just you know. live your best life, basically like cherish it, which was so, so that really stuck with me. And like, it's interesting how like I have a younger sister. So like how he influenced us is like, he was a lawyer and she now is in law school going to be a lawyer. And oh, then wow. I took like the opposite, more like public's talking about it, funny approach, but it's like, well, even just how, ha- but I mean the, even with losing a parent, I feel like 
just that like last nugget of encouragement, I mm-hmm. imagine just going like, like you're only going to get to do this once, like do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to cry. Yeah. He was That's... super supportive, but then it's like really cool. But then it's sad. Cause I'm like, wow, what, you know, what would he have thought about this? I wish he could see me talk about this or him. Yeah. maybe not all the death stuff about it, but maybe I know he's he like, okay, you could light, you could light it up a little, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, who knows what I would have done. Like, I really don't know if I would have fully, I mean, the second I graduated, I I'm lucky that I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Not that it's like all going amazing all the time. Well, it's always going to be up and down, but it's, I have always been a big proponent of like what a gift it is to know what you want to do. Did you always know as well? I knew I wanted to be in the comedic realm. I thought like SNL sketch, like, I mean, in high school, I ran the high school assemblies and I was class clown and I just like loved making people laugh. Amazing. And I I did that through college, but I was going to college like, just in case you've got to get my degree or whatever. Yeah. Um, Like, I wish I would have just, I almost wish I would have had the courage or been given the advice or the like understanding tools to go like fucking college was so fun. I made so much friends, but like I would have been fine. You know, it would have been in a lot less debt. Um, Yeah. But a lot of people do respect, though. I think people who have degrees respect people that have degrees. Yeah, but it's like, fuck you. <laughs> get over yourself that you just spent how much money or your parents spent money for you to get so a. True. Especially if, if you're not doing something medical, it's like, I guess good for you. It <sighs> should be a lot more affordable. I mean, that's a, you know, how much it costs is a huge issue. Is insane. Yeah. And then, I mean, the idea that some people go and get like degrees in philosophy for no reason. And it's like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> just because, though. Like you're saying, people respect you just because you have. Oh, and it is honestly, I think a way of just as far as like getting into a career, like a standard career is like mm-hmm. showing that you're able to like finish a bureaucratic system of like I can. Right. That's true. Like red tape bullshit. But yeah, I did learn like there's things that I carry over from my college education that I th- like, I think come natural. But realistically, it's like, oh, actually, mm. that's something I learned because I because I took like courses in public relations Mm. not knowing what I wanted to do but being like that'd be that'd be fun to get to like talk to the newspapers and like (laughs) I don't know I literally was just I was double majoring in PR and mechanical engineering and I was like which one do I have to think the least about cool I'm gonna finish with that PR one by a landslide wow um but there's things from that that have actually helped me in my comedy right um and if I had paid more attention in class, I probably would have more things from that. But I was hungover half the time. Um, but yeah, no. So I threw out college. I was like, well, I'm going to do comedy. I thought mm-hmm. like SNL and stuff. And I would write all the, we had like skits for my sorority for these like silly competitions and stuff. And I'd write all those and here's how funny, blah, blah, blah. And then by my senior year, I was like, I don't know how to you can't just like walk on to Saturday Night Live. When did you start doing stand-up? I got up the first time my last semester of my senior year. Nice. And, but the, and the minute I, I was just like, well, that's how people get to SNL. Right. As if, I mean, it is, there are people who are stand-ups on SNL. Yeah. But the like first laugh I got, it was like something lit up in me. And I was like, it, it was like, I found the thing I was looking for. I was like, this is what I'm supposed to do, mm-hmm. which is so corny. And as someone who's always been a bit of a logical thinker and, I that it killed me that I had that like I found I'm meant to do this but that's how it felt Mm -hmm. um what about you I think I felt like we I derailed wait did you go what did you so after high school did you go straight into like 
entertainment based. No, I went to college. Too. Okay. Yeah. Theater school at USC. Oh, okay. Yeah. LOL. Dana Moon went there. Who? Dana Moon. She's a comedian. Should I totally know who that is? No, she okay. was she was years before you. I mean, she's okay. she's great. She's awesome. Check her out. She's cool. Funny. Gonna Google um, her stat. Um, but yeah, I always knew. Like, yeah, I always, I always knew. I mean, it's just weird too. I I, I identify with like being logical, and but then having that like, feeling like I was in like three musicals a year from when I was five. So God, I love musicals. I just wrote totally one. Totally different. You did? Yeah, I did what? a live reading of it at the Improv in December. What? Yeah. What is it about? It's uh two kids go to hell and they're trying to get back to their family it's very dark actually but Wait, that's my that my summation of it yeah me and do you know jeffrey baldinger I've, i know who that is he's like at the improv a lot yeah. um very funny comedian he and i co-wrote it and so we did a live reading and by next year we want to do a staged dress rehearsal and then figure out how to we're flying by the seat of our pants 100 percent. but anyways i've derailed so, cool. so much i just love musicals Really? Oh my yeah. Gosh. I, I can't wait to. Yeah, I would love to see your stage dress rehearsal at Yay. some point. Yeah, but I don't know. It's like weird. Yeah, I just loved being the funny parts, you know, from that age, and then you see where it takes you. Yeah, were you always the funny one in your family, like yeah. comedic relief? Yeah. yeah. Is there any part of you that felt like you had to do that? Like um, that it kind of. I don't know. I feel like it's just some people. It's just you know, it's just naturally who you are, or it's not. Like yeah. I don't know. No, I hundred percent agree that like, <laughs> y- like you can teach the formats of like this type of talking makes a joke. Sorry, I was picking up my dog. Um, but yeah, there's people who are naturally funny and there are people who are terribly unfunny and it is boys are hard to watch. Those people want to be a comedian. Right. Right. Um, and, and I'm not even saying that it can't be done. Right. But like, I mean, I know a guy who I dated him years ago, but com- Comedy is uh, like the way he approaches this comedy is a hundred percent like a formula mm. because he's not, and he's like the least funny person in conversation mm. I've ever met. And I don't know if it's because he's just so polite. He's not saying what he's thinking or he mm. really is just like not funny. And it, it's just so interesting to me. But he was funny on stage. Yeah. His comedy is like fine. If you're it's a, it's good. I think I think it's really overlooked how much it's not discussed that your IQ has a big effect on your ability to to write and deliver jokes. A hundred percent. Like if you're really smart, you're going to figure out the comedy thing a lot faster. Oh, absolutely. Almost every great comedian I know is like highly intelligent. And then I, and some of the funniest people I know don't do comedy and they're brilliant. Right. I have an uncle who's like the chief, medical he's like oversees an entire hospital he's a doctor who's like in charge of the hospital wow and just i mean not that you know you don't have to be a doctor to be smart but like a very brilliant man and hilarious just so quick like the banter we have is amazing (laughs) my friend matt is the he's one of my best friends from college completely i don't know he's like lost job wise he's like i'm gonna be a nurse like he bounces around but he's fucking brilliant and Mm -hmm. insanely funny a lot of lawyers yes are hilarious yes Yes. And, I mean, because to be a good lawyer, you also have to be able to see the sides of everything. Yeah. Which is a lot of what comedy is. Yeah. I actually, yeah. Like in terms of my two parents, I definitely, my dad would always joke, like he was funny, but yeah. it was like, I, I wish I could like talk to him now about it, but no. And then in the book that he wrote about his life, I read the first chapter the year he died and then I never 
finished it. Is it published? It. No. So <laughs> add it to the list of things. My friend wants me to like, that works in audiobook. She's like, record the audiobook, release it. But I'm like, I've never even read it. So one step at a time. But Okay. Because I... I don't, I don't know really well, but my boyfriend also has a friend in publishing. If you want, oh my god, Mita, try to help you with that. It Would seems it be like weird though if I recorded it because I'm like a young girl and his is like from an older guy perspective? I might do it anyway. Anyways, that's a whole other. Story. I mean, you could just do a right. preface with that, right? I think. Right, because I'm like I could hire someone, but that'd be weird. I'm like, you're like, and then in thing. the last chapter, sound like you have ALS, <laughs> and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, just kind of mumble a little, a little bit slower, and they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> That's, yeah just, but you can only put it on the setting of like half speed and just don't talk for the last chapter because he didn't yeah just, and then it's like it's the rest silent. you just have to read it's silent but it's the, just quiet <laughs> in the first chapter though he said like i wish i wrote plays and that was something i'll never forget i was like what he like wished he wrote a play i was like wouldn't that be a cool play to write about a person Who like wish like, they wrote a play so my, now my other friends are like you should write a play about that i was like no it's too much i feel like for me an, a giant project like that like something that's not like a podcast is ongoing yeah other than my stand-up i'm telling myself like one major project a year totally believe in that yes because what happens is i'll try to do more than that and then they suffer like I'm like I'm doing that musical yeah what are your 2020 projects I'm got, I'm working my own hour okay. my musical and then this and I have another podcast with Nicole Amy Schreiber my gosh you have another podcast we just launched it but it's not formula it's just the two of us shooting the shit we pick a topic every you know week and we just random ran, like rattle no great thought goes into it although there's still like the social media and the promotion and it does get it's all hell. It's more than you would possibly think. No. It's like, that won't be that much work. Oh, wow. It's so much. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, so, much. You're, so those are the things you're working on for this year. Absolutely. Okay. And then it's, great. but it's also, in theory, I have a pilot that I'm sort of trying to sell. And I'm like, I, I mean, I am trying to do that, but I don't know. Because you so many ideas pop up and then having to go like, nope, I can't do that right now. When you get excited about something. Oh, yeah. Is like hard but it sounds like you have some clarity like you know what you want to focus on this year. yeah but we'll see how long until and um, how often are you gone aren't you gone like a lot of the time I do a lot yeah. of road yeah, yeah yeah I do a ton of road so that's the balance has been interesting is and it nice to kind of be by yourself sometimes? I love it I didn't yeah. think I would because mm-hmm. uh, like I thought I would like spiral and be like so many people like you're gonna hate it it's so lonely and I'm like oh you're projecting (laughs) Um, I love it I didn't know how much I liked being alone it's like zen it's nice because I mean I can chill out a little bit more importantly I can get things done whereas in LA there's just always someone who wants and I don't I love talking to people I love you know hanging out but like there's always something to do somewhere to go oh we should go to this this show if I don't have a show it's so-and-so's birthday you do want to grab a coffee so it's nice to like be or it's like well, I can't. I'm not in town. So right. I can't get, I can't let myself get like too distracted because mm-hmm. it's impossible. So that's nice. But it's my reasoning for liking it is probably just pure workaholism. I'm like, I can, I can write. I can catch up on my material. I can, I'm not relaxing. <laughs> Do you have a favorite place that you've been or an unexpected show or city that you never thought you would love, but you that I never thought I would love? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think. Um, or just like anywhere. Chicago's you're. great. Mm-hmm. I it's a big city and I feel like anyone going you didn't think you'd love Chicago I just didn't think anything of Chicago mm. and I love it the people are nice 
The food's great. I'm trying to think of like smaller cities I've been to. Um, nothing's jumping out at me, but I've, I mean, I've had a lot of fun in small towns. Asheville's awesome. Oh, cool. Yeah. The festival there. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first cool. time I went there was years ago for laugh your Asheville. I think it was like the first or second festival. Oh, wow. And, um, I've done it twice way back then. And I just was like a festival. Cool. And festivals are always fun. Like you can get a jaded look at a city. I mean, not jaded. You can get a skewed look at a city mm-hmm. because you're having so much fun. It's all these yes. comedians. You know, there's usually like free food, free drinks. It's like a nonstop party. So you don't even know if the city is good. But Asheville itself is a cool. Oh. I didn't know that there was like a cool progressive hub of North Carolina. How far away is Asheville from, say, Raleigh, Durham or Charlotte? Um, I think it's about four hours from Raleigh because I just did okay. Raleigh and Asheville in a row oh, cool. on this little East Coast tour because I did a one nighter tour on the East Coast. Oh um, God, you're so hip. You're um, so cool. Thank you. Wait, we have we've no more about me. <laughs> I love it. I'm so I'm like the host in me is like, I'm going to find out. I love like you're so interesting. That's so funny. You're so interesting though. (laughs) I, do you have to get, or do you out of whatever, do they recommend like you testing yourself is, can you test yourself for ALS? I could talk about genetic testing for a full hour, which we will not. Have you done 23 and me? (laughs) Oh my gosh. I have so many thoughts. How much time do I have? Um, Not much. Not much. Okay. The bullet points, um, version. We're um, gonna have to do a follow up episode at some point. I'm next week. I mean, I don't know when we'll this figure comes it out. out. Oh no, did not mean <laughs> next week. Are you? Available? No, I mean no, 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 no. But okay. we'll get it. Next all. week, I'm hosting this event on Melrose with a genetics counselor and <sighs> girls like our you know, twenties, thirties that um have, have parents, mo- mothers with breast cancer. Is that what it is? Who have the gene? Um, that means they'll likely the to BRCA. Get breast cancer. Yes. Do so, you have it? No. Or excuse me. So, or have you not been tested? I have not been tested, but since my mom doesn't have it, it's makes me as equal to anyone else. Oh, because there's so, other ways that it can yes. happen. So that's just okay. But I highly recommend that people look, take a look at genetic, like little, even just googling genetics counselors. What do they do? You can meet with one without even getting testing. So just because you meet with a genetics counselor doesn't mean you are obligated to test, but they can talk to you about what the tests mean and which genes are available for you to test. And and how likely having that gene. And my short answer is the BRCA gene, also known as BRCA, we all have it, but if you have a mutation, it means you have an 80% chance of getting breast cancer, and about one in 40 Jewish girls have it, and not oh. a lot of people know this, which is why I'm hosting this like oh, no. next week about it. I'm Jewish in my genetics. Fully Jewish? Or? No, I'm okay. like 40%. I did 23andMe. I found out when I was... We can't talk about me anymore. I'm from a sperm bank, but so... I was like, I want to know what I am because uh-huh. I don't know my fa- my actual father's genetics. So that's how I found out. But wow, um, wow. So there's options, and there's a lot of genes also that will tell you you have like a twenty to forty percent chance of getting a specific disease. Which my personal opinion is that's not enough of a reason to find out. But with BRCA specifically, eighty percent, and about one in to three or four hundred girls, if you're not Jewish, has it too, and having been the daughter of someone with breast cancer for such a long time, if you can find out, I think that you should, then yeah. you can get surgery. Preventative measures. Or screen 
probably yeah. there. So yeah, that's kind of my own podcast talks about this stuff. Oh, okay. And do you do like annual testing on yourself since she doesn't have that gene? Do you do other like screenings and stuff? Yeah. So I'm still going to test for BRCA before I'm 30. Um, so like in the next couple of years, just because it's the fact that one in 40 Jewish people have it regardless. Like, yeah. That's high. Um, and I just, I recommend people get your intern uh, your internist, or okay, your regular your not, intern. <laughs> Whoa! Don't, not your intern. Good lord, we do not blame us when you get me tooed. Your regular doctor or your gynecologist, just to, like literally ask them to feel feel you up your breasts. You can feel up. me up, and then you're gonna find out. No, but like seriously, do it, and also get a pap smear at least like once every other year. I do it every year. It's just like, I need to go back. They tried to be like, oh, it, they changed it to three years. And I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that is. But I've read too many horror stories about fucking. I mean, if you you already cervical cancer to a every year. So just get one. Like, yeah, just do it. It's also like I've made too many questionable choices to not be. I mean, it's got to pop up on the pipeline somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I'm like, no, I can't. I can't risk it. Um, Fuck. We are crunch for time. Yep, Let that's me. That's about it. Really quick, um, yes. um, um, is there a test like could do do anything for ALS? You would not want. I mean, there's they don't test for it, and thank God because you don't want. You don't want to just know you have that gene. Yeah, I, like I have a friend whose dad has Parkinson's, and she's like, "Well, I'm gonna get tested to see if I have the gene." And I'm like, "Um, sorry, he's taking my keys." No problem. Uh, that was my roommate in the background. Hey. Um, and I'm like, why are you going to, you're already so neurotic also. Like, why are you going to do that to yourself? I did 23 and me and I just, I have one gene that is now like making me feel insane. And it's like l- a, a slight risk mm-hmm. of late onset Alzheimer's. And I'm like, well, what is late? <laughs> like, what if I have it now? Sometimes I forget things. And it's like, ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Cause then you're just, cause you may never get anything you have a gene for. My personal opinion is I don't recommend testing for genes where it's like, 20 30 40 percent especially something incurable and especially if there's not preventative measures you can take yeah if there's nothing you can do and you're like in your 20s or 30s like i don't recommend it but if it's something like BRCA where it's 80 percent, then i do but do your research about what works for you y'all 23 me i have a lot of issues with yeah. because it's just like giving info to people who don't understand that all the yeah, yeah. oh 100 percent. i feel the same um really quick yes. i'm gonna rattle off this story because Wait. it's um crazy so i'm wondering if she thinks there's an element uh so this is just from a listener someone wants to know if you think there's an element of exposure to als because her boyfriend's best friend lost his mom to als and then right after she passed away his dad ended up with als and died and she died rather quickly so did the dad the doctors were studying to see if they were exposed to something since they were childhood sweethearts and been together like for so long and she, this person read that soldiers out of similar platoons in Desert Storm had many men come to develop ALS, which is a big reason they might believe, they believe it might be exposure related. Do you have any thoughts on that? Wow. What is this person's name? I want to shout them out. Or is that what? No, it's, we're not. I mean, it's her, uh, well, we shit. I tell them that. that. We can take this out. Okay, great. I can let you know later if she's cool with it. It doesn't matter. It's on okay. a Facebook group. Her name's Tiffany. Okay. But I wanted to shout out to this person and say I'm sorry about her experience. Yes, um, my, I'm very sorry. I think there is a lot more research coming out. And I, again, uh, please, no one listen to me. I'm obviously this is not, not medical advice. Um, I personally think it is 
possible even like the athlete theory is like are they are all these people on fields or turfs exposed much something my dad was a college you know he played basketball in college so not a professional athlete but like he constantly around or could it be spread through like sweat in the i don't know there's some theories about like maybe concussions or head injuries which makes more sense but the exposure thing like i i don't know for sure but I mean, it's definitely possible, unfortunately. Yeah. And things like that when people are both been together that long. Like, I mean, with any illness, not just ALS, like if you're water, there's certain parts of the world where water is polluted, certain parts of America. If you live near a cemetery where your water is, you know, there's yeah. things like that. There's so many things. So I'm really sorry to hear that though. And, but yeah, I mean, I think it, it is possible. Yeah. Ah. Uh. Me too. Or maybe it's not, or maybe it was just totally genetically random. Like I don't know. It could happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean like it's who, who knows? That's so sad. We'll have to do another podcast. Were you able to say goodbye to your dad? I was. Yeah. I knew a few, the bad news is a few times. Cause it's like, this is the last. Day. Oh God. Shocker. <laughs> but I'm sorry yes. for laughing. No, That's... it's funny. It really is funny. It's like, but eventually yes. And, um, do you remember like the last thing he said to you or like last nugget of. That's like, we'll have to part two, but the one sentence version is he made a joke again, spelling out words with his eyes. So LOL, <laughs> um, about like that. I would probably marry, uh, Brad Pitt. That was one of the last things he said to me. And then he was like, ha ha. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, okay. thanks dad. Yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I made some speech about like move yeah. over Jennifer Aniston. I was like, I'm going to be fine. Like I'm going to figure it out. You know, I like said something like that. that and he was like, Oh, like you'll marry Brad Pitt hot. Like something like that. I yeah. don't know why, but that's just a joke. That's really cute. All right. Um, where can people find you? I'm so I want more info from you. <laughs> um, at, Instagram at underscore Chels who else that's C H E L S who else E L S E. So that's probably my most active website, Chels who else.com podcast dying of laughter on all the podcast places. Amazing. Any last nuggets of information or thoughts you want to share with people? Okay. Overwhelmed people. It's okay. If not <laughs> uh, my last nugget of wisdom is, you know, life, life is short and it's a gift. And if there's someone, you know, who has either lost someone or has an illness, like shoot them a text, shoot them an email, just like say you're thinking about them. I think that can go a long way. Thank you for doing this. Thank you for hosting this. Yay. All right. Bye idiots. Bye. There you go. Chelsea London Lloyd, ALS and, uh, growing up dealing with a family member who has that. Um, what a bright, fun, and strong young lady. Um, truly a fun interview. She is delightful and very easy to talk to, and I appreciate her opening up about that. If you like this podcast episode and you haven't subscribed, hit that subscribe button. Give us a rate and review. If this is your first time listening, maybe you didn't like this one. <clears throat> That's okay. There's a range of topics. I encourage you to um, give me the benefit of the doubt that maybe it's a topic you just didn't like. And scroll through and find a topic you do like. Look at some of the top episodes. I interviewed my brother right after his, not to circle back to that, but right after his overdose, I had Dulce Sloan on for a three-hour episode talking about being a black woman in America. I interviewed a guest with dissociative identity disorder. I've asked Ari Shafir endless questions about being a Jew. A little bit of something for everybody, and we're, ha- we're hoping to add more and more. I don't know why I say we. 
It's me and my soul. Uh, maybe that's what it is. My heart and my mind want to give you more interviews. Um, if you, uh, real quick, big thank you to my League of Extraordinary Idiots. John, Greg, Jean, Kathy, Terry. Uh, that's a level of patron on my Patreon. Uh, they're wonderful. I adore them. And I appreciate you all. If you want to get involved with my Patreon, help support the podcast. It truly helps. It makes such a difference. And you can do that uh, for as little as a dollar a month. And you get bonus episodes, uncut episodes early, and uh, more, depending on where you go up that pipeline. But uh, guaranteed that, at least. And uh, yeah. Please keep in mind that no guest is or claims to be a representative for every person who has a similar identity. They're just one person sharing their own experience and ideas to help us get a peek at how things look from their situated position in the world. If you have additional questions for Chelsea or any guest, or you'd like to suggest a guest or a topic that maybe you would like to hear about, but you don't know a guest specifically who would be good, head over to the Facebook group. It's ignorance is hashtag blessed idiots. It's a private Facebook group, little small community, safe space for unsafe thoughts. It's a discussion with people who disagree is encouraged. Uh, just generic name calling and being like you're fucking wrong is discouraged i uh it's there for discourse so at least be willing to listen and consider someone's thoughts before you go like yeah they're still wrong uh which is okay but it's a lot of agreeing to disagree and mostly a lot of sharing silly memes and more importantly give me the suggestions you want but also open forum talk about whatever you want maybe you had an ignorant moment this week that you want to go oh man i really fudged up and i said this and i didn't even realize it was offensive or whatever it's there. It's a cool little community. Everyone's fucking rad. So that is available to you. Uh, and that's the best way to ask me questions. And please, please, please do keep asking questions of me, of others, of yourself. The more we ask, the more we learn, the more we know. And the more we know, the more we can look down on others who aren't as smart as we are. And isn't that the point? <sighs> as always, thank you for listening. And thank you for being patient with my ignorance. See you soon, idiots. <laughs>